0: We came for salvation, we came for family, we
1: came for all that's good, that's how we'll walk away. Aloha, welcome to the Layman's Lounge.com podcast. I am Jason Estopinall and I am a business software analyst and a YWAMR in Kona, Hawaii. Aloha. And on the other line, we've got Joe Humphreys, who is an appliance salesman in Bellingham, Washington. Hi, Joe. Hello. There he is. <laughs> and we have the absolute privilege of having Dr. Amos Young on the on the uh, on the line with us today. He is he's written,
2: <laughs> I think he's written fifty books. <laughs> Do you know, Dr. Young, the exact amount? Well, technically I've only written a couple dozen, but I've uh, authored and edited about 50.
1: Authored and edited about 50 books. You go on the Amazon and, um, and it's not like they're good books. So all these titles are scratching itches, like books on science and religion, God and disability that you don't see much of that, but I mean, super practical for those of us who are around or ourselves have disability and, um, one area where Dr. Young is um, just a, a blessing to the body is the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, um, charismatic Pentecostal, and and sort of the academy. So he's just the kind of guy we want to talk to. So we're, we're excited to have him on the line today. Um, Dr. Young was born in Malaysia, and he moved to Northern California. Maybe you could share some of this in a moment. Um, I think, I think you guys were like reverse missionaries. Is that right, Dr. Young?
2: Yeah. So when we first moved, when I was 10, in the mid-1970s, and by the way, it was my parents who moved me and my two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. They were pastors in Malaysia, but were invited by a missionary who had a heart for Chinese speaking people who lived in Northern California, and she came back in the late 60s from Malaysia where... Under her missionary ministry, my mother came to know Christ, and she came back to Northern California, her home, and began to plant churches for Chinese-speaking immigrants to Northern California, which, after 1965, when the immigration laws changed, there were a lot more Chinese-speaking immigrants moving from across the Asian Rim. And so my parents became pastors among Chinese-speaking immigrants in Stockton, California, in 1976, which at that time, we just considered ourselves pastors. Although, 30 years later, in the missiological literature, our family is now classified under the label of reverse missionaries, meaning people who came to do mission work from outside the West to a Western country or context. And so my parents from Malaysia, coming to do ministry work among migrants, fit that category, meaning that Malaysia would have been a country that received missionaries for a long time under the colonial and later colonial eras. Mm -hmm. But then in the last 50 years or so, increasingly more and more people coming from majority world, global South context to the West to do ministry and mission work. So that's what the notion of reverse missionaries means now. We didn't understand wow. ourselves as that in the 1970s, but here we go.
1: Yeah, that, that in, in and of itself is, is a whole nother podcast. Just loved it. Hearing about missionaries coming here. So Dr. Young is also a missiologist, so sort of the history and the, uh, I don't know, approaches of, of world missions. So super exciting. And today we're specifically going to be talking about a, a book um, that he wrote called Spirit of Love a Trinitarian theology of grace. So really, really excited to be on the call with you today. Thank you so much. Um, I guess the reason we specifically want to talk about this is because there's a lot of confusion about, so who's the Holy spirit and what does the Holy spirit do? And, and I know that, that Joe, the Lord kind of got a hold of you, I don't know, a few years ago, and you just started asking a lot of good, good questions.
0: Yeah. So, um, I think it would be helpful for listeners um, to maybe start with the simplest questions and uh, the most, I guess, big picture questions about the spirit. And talking with my wife about this, um, we think that the, Dr. Yang, if you could help people with this question, The son seems most relatable out of the Godhead, probably because he came in flesh. Um, He's human, we can at least, he's personified. It's something that we can easily think of. Um, The second member of the Godhead that seems most relatable is the father because most of us have fathers, uh, whether they were loving or not. We have something to work with there um however the spirit there's nothing it it's just it seems natural for us to think of the spirit as a force um but we know the holy spirit is not a force it's a person uh can you help us try to have something to work with with the spirit Uh, that that's relatable if that makes sense
2: Thank you for the question. It's a wonderful question. I'm not sure how helpful this will be, but I would say a couple things. First, I do think that the clearest picture of the Spirit at work actually is in the person of Jesus himself, meaning that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah or the anointed one, and that anointing is an anointing of the Spirit. So if we want to understand what the Spirit looks like, what the Spirit does, we look at Jesus Christ, the one who was anointed as Messiah to bring about God's salvation. And so that's, I think, the clearest picture we have in the New Testament about the work of the Spirit. And then following from that, Jesus himself said that he would send the Spirit And that he would fill his people with his spirit. Right? So, the next set of images I think that we can have if we want to understand what the spirit is and what the spirit does is by looking at the body of Christ, the body of the anointed one, the body of the Messiah, which is us, one another. We're not infallible as Jesus himself was, so when we look at the spirit manifest in and through our lives, sometimes there's a lot of um, cloudiness, if you will, from that perspective, but guided by who Jesus was and guided by the scriptures. I think that once we begin to read, if you will, the scriptures and the body of Christ together, we can, if you will, have a set of bifocals, right? That can help us to discern the spirit better. Meaning, The scriptures help us to discern the work of the spirit in the body and our experience of the body help us to then discern what the scriptures say about the spirit in this sort of mutually dialogical manner.
1: Right. So, so Dr. Young, when I'm, when I'm, I pray in the shower when I'm washing my stinky armpits and (laughs) should I be praying to the spirit? And, and if I am, in my mind, when I'm thinking of the Spirit, to because I know we're told to pray for the Spirit, should I be thinking of Jesus, or should I be thinking of, like, my local church
2: community? Yes, 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 in many respects. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly appropriate to say, come Holy Spirit, just like it is appropriate to say, come Lord Jesus. Now, most of the time when we say, come Lord Jesus, we're intending what, the historic tradition calls the parousia, which is the second coming of the Lord. On the other hand, I also think that our praying come Lord Jesus should be open to him being present in our lives through his spirit in anticipation of the second coming, meaning that the sending of the spirit is also in anticipation of the second coming and is part and parcel of that coming, right? That, establishes some of the possibilities for and provides intimations of what that coming will more fully unveil in the future. Now, come Holy Spirit, say come body of Christ, uh, not so much there. Although I think it is also appropriate for us as we pray to say that our prayer, while yes, of you as an individual in the shower, So let's recognize the personal character of that prayer. But nevertheless, I do think that the prayer of us as individual members of the body of Christ are also at its most, um, if you will, uh, their, their fullest, if you will, when they are prayers also with one another. That's whether we're talking about in corporate togetherness or whether we're talking about praying with the saints, praying with the tradition, meaning that every individual personal prayer is, in some respects, always part of that broader prayer of the people of God, right? The broader groaning and yearning of the people. So there's never only an individual prayer without taking away the, the sacredness of your shower time. But but that shower prayer is really more fully at its fullest, if you will, when it's consistent with and calls out with the tradition, the saints, and the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So that our prayers are always in that respect in and with and through your body.
0: I, so from that, um, this might be a jump in thought, but can we because I believe it's Romans 8 that talks about the spirit um, praying through us. And I believe it's um, Ephesians 6 that talks about praying in the spirit. Do you think it's an accurate way of viewing prayer to think of prayer as uh, being, I guess, birthed or cr- maybe we pray by the spirit? through the son to the father? is Do you think that's a biblical sequence?
2: Yeah. Um, I do think that's biblical. I do think that's a helpful. Um, I'm not sure that I would say that understanding that sequence in a technical sense is either important or possible in the sense that i do think that the scriptures give us a lot of different ways to formulate the relationship between if you will father son and spirit so that in some respects i'm not sure that there's only one way in which all three relate right so i think my point would be to say that yes i can i can grant what you've said as long as we don't then make it exclusive in some way oh sure yeah, but more importantly, and which is not what I think you were trying to do, but more importantly, I, I I do think that there is something fundamental about if you will what we do in the spirit, that in fact it harkens back to what you said earlier, or one of you said earlier, that there is a sense in which everything that we do as those who are in the body of Christ and those who are followers of Jesus and those who are um, Part of the people of God, that we are only what we are members of the body of Christ, followers of Jesus, um, part of the people of God in and through God's Spirit. There's no such participation, no such identity, no such discipleship apart from the Spirit, right? So that from that perspective, it's this paradox of all of our prayer, all of our faithfulness our discipleship anything that we might do that might have any kind of theological significance only has that significance because we are doing so in part responding to in part enabled by and in part following the initiative of the spirit so even even when we don't think about it that way in other words right um, we don't have to. We don't have to recognize that we are doing so in and through the Spirit, but if we're doing it, then it's only in and through the Spirit.
1: Mm. Is there a benefit to knowing sort of the
2: the behind the scenes theology? I think that there is um, all theological understanding. There is a benefit. It's it's not to say that those that don't have this is a, this is this interesting thing, right? Those that don't. It's not as if those that don't have the knowledge don't get the benefits, but the more that we know, the more that we can benefit.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: That, that's all there Fair is enough. <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, in other words, God will, use, God will use us. God will work through us according to the level of our knowledge and our availability. But it's true, isn't it, that the more we know, the more we can, if you will, um, be receptive of and enjoy even yeah. and welcome that work wow that's
0: good can i so you mentioned how we discussed this earlier and that was uh just a few minutes before we actually started the interview we were just discussing a few things with you and for me what happened for me for a long time um there were certain truths in scripture that were sort of like on an island, I would say, where justification was kind of by itself. Um, I would study justification, but it wasn't related to anything. And then I would study uh, adoption, but it wasn't the idea that we're sons of God um, by faith or children of God. And I would study that and it wasn't related to anything, but then once I understood union with Christ, it connected all of these ideas. I'm a child of God because I'm connected. I'm literally part of Jesus. And the spirit is the one who I believe connected me to Christ. Um, And so I, I, I'm, I struggle to articulate this, but.
1: Just say it in Latin, Joe.
0: Okay. <laughs> and I will translate. So, <laughs> what, the, back to the idea that we do everything through the spirit is based on the idea that Christ on earth, did everything through the Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. I think Luke 10 says that he was joyful through the Spirit. Um, Hebrews says, uh, through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished. Um, right. John 3 says that the Spirit has been poured out upon the Son without measure. Thus, he speaks the words of God. And, um, ev- if you, pay close attention you realize that jesus did everything through the spirit and so it just follows that if i'm in christ and i i also do everything through the spirit because i'm connected to christ it would be it would be a contradiction if i'm in christ and i'm not functioning through the spirit just like christ always did is that
2: right All right, so now I'll start interpreting the tongues that you just spoke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I knew we had one here. Thank
2: you. Which is that it goes back to what you said earlier, that before you you understood justification and adoption, etc., etc., and then you started seeing that they were connected, which Mm -hmm. actually is one of the secrets, if you will, of what the Spirit does, the Spirit of God does, right? I mean, so in my book, The Spirit of Love, that you referred to, I talk about how the theological tradition has long taught that the spirit is the bond of love between the father and the son. Yes. And that's scripturally based. And you can look it up in my book for the scriptural references. But beyond that, you could also say that the spirit is how God relates to God's creation. And you can look it up in my book. I I give you some of the scriptural references for that. And you can also see how the Spirit not only relates, if you will, between the Godhead and between God and creation, but that the Spirit relates creatures to each other within creation. Mm. In other words, the Spirit is a great connector, connecting in multiple domains, dimensions, and directions. And it's in part for that reason that once we, if you will, experience more and more the fullness of the Spirit, connections always continue to open up hmm. connections between us and God connections between us and ourselves. I mean, we are actually rather complicated and complex creatures ourselves. Uh, some of us have fragmented personalities. And I don't mean by that, that, you know, we, ha- we I'm not talking about DSM diagnoses. I'm just talking about how, um, yeah, we're just complex creatures and the spirit enables further cohesion amongst ourselves without eliminating, if you will, the distinctive parts of ourselves that make up who we are. And then Mm. the Spirit enables creatures to relate to each other, right? The body of Christ, for instance. The Spirit enables us to relate to those outside the body of Christ. The Spirit enables us to relate like the Good Samaritan to Jews or whoever we are to those outside our tribe. Mm The Spirit enables us to relate to the created materiality of the world, Um, its creatures, its it's non-human creatures, its um, the environment itself. In other words, it's life in the Spirit that gives us deeper and ever-increasing awareness and sensibility of our interrelatedness, is the way I would put it, with God. With within ourselves, with others, with the world, so that's I think that what you were gesturing toward in in the, when you first started out that, you know, um, if you will, um, in our own way, in our own discursivity, yeah, there's atonement over here and justification over there and sanctification somewhere on the back shelf, but <laughs> life in the spirit means that all of a sudden they start interrelating, and yeah. That's why theologically, actually, to move in a new methodological direction is very confusing. Because theologically, we want to keep everything sort of nice and neatly defined and separated. Yeah. But the Spirit just simply moves us into life, into connecting, somewhat, I think one of you said earlier, the letter of Scripture with the real world of buzzing and booming and dynamic creatures in action. And that's what we are. Yeah. And so um, pneumatology is simply now attempting to think God's thoughts after our acting, after our after our responding to and relating to God. And I think I think pneumatology helps us to begins to acclimatize us to doing that. Mm. Um
0: Going a slightly different direction, I want to ask you, I think it might be helpful for people. um, I'm going to try to frame this in a way that it might uh, help with the question. But um, So marriage is you become one flesh. That's what scripture says. And there's a union there. And what I want to try to do is help people understand what the spirit is as it being, I think Romans eight also talks about the spirit being the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ. And I want to know if this is, um, correct. Can people see that we all have a spirit? Scripture says we have a spirit. And so Christ has a spirit and the father also has a spirit. But they are one. Are, are the father and the son one because they share the same spirit, namely the Holy Spirit? Is that heresy?
2: <laughs> you know. <laughs> <Am don't>... I... <laughs> Stone him! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I would say that that's a very good reformed question. Okay. Ah. Uh... Which means, actually, that it doesn't give forth any good answers. Oops. <laughs> we me, don't know. Let me, let me come at that question another way. Okay. Right. Or no, I actually I want to let me nuance that a tad. That's a very good scholastic question, which therefore doesn't give forth very many good answers to those outside the scholastic arena let me put it again in another way, that certain discursive traditions will frame the conversation in certain ways that lead to questions such as the one that you asked. Okay. And while those discursive traditions, therefore also in some respects, give some answers to those questions, they're never fully satisfactory. Okay. At least not for a Pentecostal like me. Which is not to say that I can't appreciate the way in which those questions are asked. But it is to say that those questions only arise given certain presuppositions and certain contexts of conversation. Okay. Right. And, but my point would be something like, something like to ask whether or not the spirit of God is the same as the spirit of Christ is the same as the Holy Spirit is to ask a question that can be answered both yes and both no, Mm. but in different ways oh right and so it's not to say that either one of those is right or wrong it's simply to say that well it depends on what the context of the conversation is wherein that question makes sense and then that question making sense in those certain ways will lead to certain ways of answering the question can i Um, give you an example
0: sure okay so um well i think we'll talk about this later but I believe that, uh, so Ephesians 4 says that the spirit is the bond of unity, right? Yeah. Okay. So we are in the image of Yahweh, all of us. And so it helps me if I'm at church and I want to focus on loving the brother or sister next to me, that the way the father and the son love each other is through the spirit. I then know, since I bear his image, that I'm supposed to function the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, the you, Jason, um, everyone I meet, I know that I can have, and that's what Jesus's prayer was in John 17, that we become one and I that has to have something to do with him understanding that we're in god's image and so i believe the spirit is what christians need for unity and i want them to understand that i for us to be bonded like the father and the son are bonded we need to understand that it's through the spirit just as they but if that's not um a precedent their relationship in the spirit i know i'm it's it's getting complicated but
2: yes and so here's why it's complicated yeah because in certain discursive traditions it makes sense to ask about the nature of god in god's self which raises questions about how do we understand the nature of god in god's self and some people will say well there's scriptural resources that can be brought to bear on that and within certain ways of reading scripture, yes, we can say, that okay, that's, that's a fair way of asking the question. That's a fair way of answering the question. But what you've just done, though, is you have just said that, well, the nature of God and God's self has to be related, at least from our perspective, to how we understand the relation between God and creation or God and us. And my point is that in certain theological traditions, to even ask that question begs the question and but, but I totally agree with you, which is why, from my perspective, the pneumatological, if you will invitation um, at least puts on hold at best questions about God and god 's self wow. the question about the spirit always involves going starting not just from God and god 's self but linking let's say Ephesians one all the way to two to three to four to five to six. So, for instance, Ephesians 5, is you you, didn't, you weren't studying Ephesians 5, but you talked about the marriage relationship. That's in Ephesians 5, right? Yeah. Ephesians 4 is about the body relationship. Ephesians yeah. 6 is about spiritual practices. Ephesians 3 is about prayer and the relationship between the spiritual and the material worlds, the spiritual the spiritual realms and the body of Christ. Ephesians 2 is about the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. So the, my point would be that your what you've just done is precisely how Ephesians lays out the full scope of the gospel and who God is. A God not in God's self, but a God in relationship to the cosmos, chapter 1, to the okay. nations, chapter 2, to between spiritual and material, chapter 3. To internal bodily relations, ecclesial relations, chapter four, to how marital relations can exhibit that, 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 the nature of God, chapter five. In other words, my point would be that once you go pneumatologically, you're always asking not just about God and God's self, but about God in relationship to take your pick. Right. Um, and that's precisely what pneumatology invites. Again, I'm not saying that asking questions of God and God's self isn't valid at a certain level, um, Mm. but it's not the pneumatological question, I think, first and foremost. Right. I think
1: think the real question is, can the Holy Spirit make a martini so big that Jesus couldn't drink it? (laughs) Would we all agree that that's the most... (laughs) Uh, oh, that's a dad joke. <laughs> a dad. Um, no. Here's here's a here's one that's super simple, Doctor Young. I have a disagreeable personality. I hate it. Like my sister's just a hippie. She's even if she was like, like a Buddhist, she would just be kind of nice. She's just sweet. And me, I'm I'm beating myself and um, you know, putting stones in my mouth and trying to be, you know. Try to just be a nicer guy, just a better husband, a, a, not such a lazy dad, you know? And every morning in the shower, I'm like, because I know this promise. that says, if, you, you know, if you're filled with the spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And then I, I often pray that back to God. And then I, I pray back these things of love, joy, peace, and patience. And, and I pray and I say, I want to be filled with the spirit. So that I will be a, a just like a, a nicer guy, a better husband, and that I will have love, joy, peace, patience. But no sooner do I get out and wipe myself off than I'm, you know, shouting at my wife: "Put too much salt in these eggs, woman!" So, what <laughs> what am I doing wrong what What should our What should the Christian's expectation be? Like, how do we get filled with the Spirit and what is expected if we are and am I doing are, are those of us who are praying for that? And, and we just still seem like jerks. Are we not filled with the spirit? Is there something? Yeah. Any thoughts on that?
2: Uh, a couple, maybe. Um, <laughs> first of all, just, just go hug and kiss your wife and love her and put your arms around her and tell her how wonderful she is. Aww, <laughs> I like that. I think beyond that, I'm not sure I have much else to add. Whoa. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> well first of all i mean second of all uh that was, that was actually the most important thing uh the second thing i i would say would be yes um there is a sense in which we have already received the spirit there is a sense in which we are continuing to receive more and more of the spirit mm. and there's a sense in which we are yet to fully receive the spirit wow and all of those are true i mean it's the uh, to put it in, in maybe some reformed terms, I was saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Yeah, I mean, that's the, Pente- the Pentecostal charismatic sort of variation on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, and, and so just because we have already received the Spirit doesn't mean that there is not more of the Spirit to be received in some way. And here, there are a lot of different discursive traditions, Catholic, Lutheran, Reformed, Wesleyan, etc., that give us different language, conceptualities, metaphors to talk about that, whether it's the filling metaphor, whether it's the um, baptism metaphor, whether it's, in other words, there are lots of different ways to keep conceptualizing what that means, and all of those have something to offer, Hmm. um, which is then also not to say that we haven't received the spirit in some significant, substantive, real, full way, right? So this this paradox. I mean, there's there's no such there's no such thing as partially receiving the spirit, but then there's also no such thing as not needing to continue to be open to more of what that filling reception mm. means can be expressed, can be manifest, uh, can be worked out, can be enjoyed, and so on. And then there's the full sense in which we are awaiting for that down deposit you know that uh, that deposit to fully flower to bear full fruition come to full fruition yeah. so so yeah. that's simply that's what life in the spirit is it's it's in that respect recognizing we're new creation on the one hand on the other hand recognizing that we're continually being reformed and transformed on the other hand and recognizing on the third hand that there's a future that's coming in which a transformation will be complete. Um, and so the spiritual life is that ongoing, not necessarily. Sometimes I do think it's good to be exasperated because our exasperation is a sign that we need to attend to some things. Mm. Other times it's a matter of not beating ourselves up when we're, you know, feeling like we're falling short because that's part of what the spiritual life entails. It's recognizing well, that.
1: Dr. Young, I think this is something that Joe and I have this conversation like three times a week. At the end of the day, I just, I I basically am running with this one passage that says, like, if you're filled with the spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And, you know, you won't engage in this sin, a whole lot of sin, if you will, or something like that. and. The the reality is, it seems like no no matter how much I pray for the Spirit, so I'm in a season of my life where I'm often praying for the Spirit to fill me. Whereas prior to the last, you know, a year ago, I was praying often that I would just um, have integrity be and, and be a good man and glorify the Father, and I see no tangible difference um, between praying either one of those.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Uh
1: you're like, that's because you're a scumbag, Jason.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. The, the Spirit might be speaking to you through you there, too. <laughs> um, like, what, well, about I, I, yes, what about you? I, here's what I, yeah, here's what I would say. I would say don't despair in that prayer, number one. Number two, I do think that, you know, different traditions will talk about different, ways in which a spirit is manifest differently mm. and so sometimes I do wonder whether or not you know we talked earlier about how the spirit is manifest in the body of Christ that we're a part of yeah um, and I do think that as we cross paths with those members of the body that we don't that we are unfamiliar with or haven't had connections to as we cross those paths and interact with these people that God expands our understanding, God um, enriches our lives, maybe our practices. So my point would be that I think part of the journey involves, yes, being faithful in the ecclesial context in which we've been located on the one hand, but also on the other hand say, okay, well, what other contexts might be available to me for me to have koinonia, for me to rub shoulders with, for me to pursue God with, for me wow. to experience God, God's you know the many members of the body yeah. and their different gifts through. In other words, if I if I'm just limited in my ecclesial life mm. to a certain form, well, okay, you you'll be limited in your ecclesial life to that certain form. Sure. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. That's um,
2: but that's but once we but as we continue, and I'm not just saying the church hop. I'm I'm not saying that. Um, but I do think that maybe part of what you're hungering for is to say, um, how, what other ways might God continue to expand and fill me, um, which comes in part through those these members of the body. Not always, because God can sometimes you know introduce surprises in our lives, quite apart from any, if you will, um, ecclesial connectivities, but. I also think that, that the that's in part what the nature of the body and its many members and its many gifts are, right? So that hanging out with different members of the body on a consistent basis over time will nurture and cult, allow cultivation of uh, different expressions, manifestations, sure. gifts for the goodness of the body.
1: That's good. All right, Joe, you, you go ahead and deliver that last one, brother.
2: Oh, gosh. Make um, it a
1: good one.
0: <clears throat> well, I... So, <laughs> What Jason just said, I think, is ultimately if someone's flipping through their phone and sees a podcast uh, that's about the spirit and they listen to it and it's just a mom, like, can you bring to the ground as well as you can the person who just wants to live like Christ um, how do they, it seems like it is done through the spirit is maybe, maybe we are misunderstanding parts of scripture, but, um, I, there's verses that say, um, like Colossians eight says, we heard of your love through the spirit. Um, and I think it's Romans 1530 that talks about, he urges them to pray through the love of the spirit, we know that love is a fruit of the spirit all of the love is not a fruit of fallen nature. How do we i guess the word is access or how do we empower ourselves uh Timothy talks about how the spirit gives us power love um is there I know there's not a formula but is there a disposition like should we be seeking the utmost should we be seeking to love someone is is that how this does the spirit then say i want to enable this person because they are now their disposition is now like jesus's that's a good question
2: yeah well thanks for asking um i actually really appreciate i think what Joe said earlier. Although I'm confusing Joe and Jason now because your voices sound kind of. Like, I'm the
1: handsome one.
2: <laughs> Aha, I knew it. Um, but in any case, the, the previous comment was, "Yeah, I've been praying for the Spirit in a co- you know more intentionally," and I and I think there is something important about that. On the other hand, I also think that there's a sense in which we can ask ourselves to be filled of God. Of his son Jesus and of his Spirit, that doesn't necessarily need to focus on if you will the Spirit, quote unquote, the Spirit, mm. but it's really a, it's really the cry that says, "Lord, manifest more and more of yourself to me." Wow. Right, and I think that's really the posture at the end of the day, because sometimes helpful. we can we can seek after, if you will, an image or a conceptuality or a label, if you will. Um, whereas I think what you're both saying, you know, you're talking about the mother who. Chances upon the podcast about the spirit. And, you know, in fact, I just came back from a weekend with my uh, 26-year-old daughter who has a 21-month-old daughter and a two-month-old son. Mm -hmm. And her husband (laughs) has gone 12 hours a day at his job. And you know what she's doing for 12 hours a day? She's (laughs) just, like, trying to make it. Right, yeah, yeah, with a 21 year old daughter and uh, a yeah. two month old son, yeah. and she's got no time for technical, di- you know, disputations and yeah. dissertations yeah. About, about pneumatology. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas what she really wants is a sense of God's presence. What she really needs yeah. is the joy of the Lord that is her strength. Yes. And that's a cry for God. We may not even have the language to say, "Come, Holy Spirit," but we're saying, "God, I need you." And wow. I think that that cry actually is a cry that if we actually understood it can help us to be open to how God might be present in, if you Mm -hmm. will, what we might otherwise call the mundaneness of life. Mm -hmm. Right. In other words, we maybe, maybe we're looking for expressions that have some presuppositions behind them. Maybe, maybe we have certain assumptions about what is or is not the spirit, And so when we pray, come Holy Spirit, we expect those things as opposed to how God might want to manifest God's self in our circumstances. My point is simply that, I think as we said earlier, we can go back to what we said at the very beginning. Um, Jesus himself said in the parable of the sheep and the goats that he was actually present when they weren't actually attending to, to his presence. They weren't actually cognizant of that presence they weren't they weren't ready to receive his presence manifest in what we might otherwise call the mundaneness of life right people who are hungry people who are in prison people who are you know sick i mean she got sick kids all the time right and she doesn't think that she's experiencing the holy spirit unless we begin to alert ourselves and pray and say lord show me your presence in this moment And then all of a sudden, tending to her sick children becomes an act of engaging with the divine reality in her midst, for instance. right. Um, Whereas if we pray, come Holy Spirit, while nursing our child, we might neglect that the reality of the Spirit's presence in that act, possibly. So Mm -hmm. I guess all my point would be to say is I want to just continue to affirm that crying out for God's manifest presence, crying out for more of God, or whether you're a mom, or whether you're a plumber, or whether you're whatever it is that you're doing. If your heart is simply saying, "Lord, I want more of you," then that's what God wants to reveal to us. Whatever we're doing, wherever we're at in life, whatever our knowledge, our state of knowledge is, um, maybe that prayer is simply a reminder to look and ask and say, "Lord, where are you right now in this moment? How do I see you here?" How do I notice? I, I didn't say, how do I, how do I bring you here? I said, how do I see you here? Me- meaning that God's already there. Wow,
1: the spirit's already good. there.
2: The mm. prayer is simply, how do I realize that more, more, you know, uh, more substantively palpably than I currently do. That's um, I think that's, I think that's really the, the prayer of all of us, right? We all want yes God's manifest presence. We know in our heads that he's here, but we don't often, pause and slow down long enough to actually like attend to what here is Mm -hmm. and how God is present here. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. Dr. Amos Young. Thank you so much. Just if, if any of you guys were stirred, we want to encourage you to go read your Bible Um, pray. You could, you could Google Dr. Amos Young and it's young, not young. Y O N G. Is it? Uh, He's got a book called theology and down syndrome. Another one called the Bible disability and the church um and right now $1.99 on kindle who is the holy spirit a walk with the apostles dr young we are really grateful hopefully we could have um, some more chats like this down the road thank you very much thank you both god bless you we came for salvation we came for family We came for all that's good, that's how we'll walk away. We came to break the bad, we came to cheer
0: the sad, we
1: came to...